tempted to just stop listening to the news, stop paying attention to all the news broadcasts, uh, radio, TV, stop reading the newspaper, stop getting on those news sites on the internet, because the vast majority of everything you read there is just so negative. There's so much crime, there's so much corruption, there's so many bad things going on. Do you ever get tempted to just say, I'm going to turn that all off. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of hearing about it. It really is discouraging to think about all the bad that is out there. Um, why is it that there is so much crime and corruption, all that sort of thing? Why is there so much of that in the world? Is it because everybody is a criminal? Is it because everybody is corrupt? We know the answer to that, right? That, that is not so. In fact, actually, it's a relatively small percentage of people who are criminals. Only a small percentage of people who are truly corrupt. But the problem, of course, is that those of us who oppose such things are not active enough in opposition to those things. You've probably heard of the man Edmund Burke. He was an uh, Irish statesman. He died over 200 years ago. Uh, probably wouldn't be remembered for much other than this one famous quote of his. Edmund Burke said, All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And that certainly is true, right? The reason that quote has been so well remembered is, although it's a brief quote, it certainly states a great truth. If good men don't do something, evil will triumph. And so we need to take that to heart. We need to be busy opposing what is wrong. We need to have a commitment to do what is right. That's true in the physical world. It's true in the political world. But our interest, of course, is in spiritual things. And so we want to apply that principle this morning to our spiritual service to God. Evil triumphs when good men do nothing. That's what we want to spend our time talking about briefly this morning. Before we get into that, we stop for a minute to say thank you to everyone who's present. We're glad for all of you, for every worshiper who has come today. We're grateful that you're present with us to worship God, to serve Him, to offer honor and glory to His name. That's our primary purpose in assembling here today, is to glorify our Father, which is heaven. We certainly hope that that will be accomplished by our time spent together. We also, of course, want to learn ourselves, what the Bible teaches. We want to be admonished to put these things into practice. And we hope that everyone who's assembled together this morning will be edified in these important ways. We're glad that you're here to be a part of that and to help accomplish those purposes. We have visitors today. We're very grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. And we are always open to your questions. We'd be glad to join with you and help in Bible study uh, answering any questions, helping in any way we can along those lines. Thanks for being with us today. Notice that I've put a sticky note up here. And on the sticky note is the note, do nothing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone doing Do you use sticky notes? I do. I, uh, I, have, I have a pad of sticky notes right nearby all the time. And I'm, I'm forever writing myself a note about what I need to get done, you know. And so on my desk, if, you, if you're ever in there, you'll probably see two or three sticky notes there describing something that I need to get done. In fact, if I run out of sticky notes, I don't wait at all. I go, I go to the office supply store almost immediately to get a new supply of sticky notes because I need those kind of reminders 
things to do. But can you imagine taking a sticky note and say, do nothing? Uh, we don't need any help with reminders to do that, right? We don't need those kind of reminders. That sort of comes uh, without saying. We're, we're prone to not do things that need to be done. What about doing nothing? When good men do nothing, what happens? Well, a first obvious thing is that if good men do nothing, they get no good thing done, right? You husbands, I imagine that uh, you probably have a to-do list around the house. Uh, your wife probably maintains the list and you're expected to accomplish some of those things. Sometimes we call it a honey-do list because, honey, would you do this? Honey, would you do that? And the wives tell the husbands what needs to get done. So you've got your to-do list. You know the things that need to be done. But instead of doing those, and maybe even you had the best of intentions to do those things that needed to be done. While your wife was away, instead of getting your to-do list done, you... You laid on the couch napping and watching football all day, and at the end of the day, you didn't get anything done, right? Uh, knowing what needs to be done, maybe even with intention to do what needs to be done, doesn't get it done. When good men do nothing, nothing good gets done is true spiritually as well. Notice Titus chapter 2, verse 14. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Why did Jesus come for? What did Jesus, why did he sacrifice himself? Why did he give himself? Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Well, that's good news, right? And we're all so grateful for that. Here we are on Thanksgiving weekend, and we've talked uh, probably uh, in, in your family gatherings and so forth, you've talked about so many things to be thankful for. Uh, this has to be at the very top of our list. Grateful for the gift of Jesus. He gave himself for us. What? That he might redeem us. We needed to be redeemed. Uh, because of our sinfulness, we were lost. We need to be bought back. We need to be brought back into a right relationship with God. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us. What good news. But that's not where it ends. He didn't just give himself to redeem us, but he wanted to purchase uh, a purified to himself, rather, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He wanted to have us to be his people, busy uh, doing good work. So not just to redeem us, but also to put us in a place where we could accomplish good things to God's honor and glory. That's why Jesus gave himself. That was a part of his purpose. I wonder if we're fulfilling that purpose. You remember, of course, the famous parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. We often refer to it. I'm not going to take time to read that whole long parable today, but I just want you to emphasize, as we typically do, emphasize the one talent man, what he did. Notice, he that had received one talent went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And when he was called to account, he said, I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. And then he commanded those nearby, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know that one talent man. We know how he was condemned by his master. Had he done really bad things? He's called a wicked and slothful servant. Had he done really bad things? No, he hadn't really done bad things. He just hadn't done anything at all. He was condemned for doing nothing. He wasn't condemned because he's out there doing all kinds of bad things. He didn't take his master's money and 
wasted on gambling and alcohol and women. He didn't do that. He didn't do bad things. He just didn't do anything. And he was called a wicked servant. He was regarded as being unprofitable. Well, what about us? How, how do we maybe parallel the conduct of that one talent man? We're not doing bad things. You know, we're not out here committing all the immoral sins that the people of the world are committing. We're not doing that. We're not doing bad stuff. But are we doing anything? Or are we wicked because we are unprofitable, slothful, lazy in the Lord's service, not doing good? In Revelation chapter 3, Garrett read for us earlier, the Lord's rebuke of the church at Laodicea. You know it well. I know thy works, he said, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. Again, I want to point out to you that the Lord didn't specify specific evil, wicked deeds that they were involved in. Interestingly, to some of the other of the seven churches there in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, he pointed out some specific evils that existed in those congregations. To the church at Laodicea, he didn't point out specific evils that they were engaged in. They just weren't working. They were lukewarm in his service. He was clearly displeased with them. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus condemned a fig tree that he encountered on the way. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only. He said to it, let no, man, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Unfruitfulness. You think Jesus had in mind there that he was just mad at that tree and he was just going to kill that tree because he was mad at that tree? I don't think so, do you? I think he, he performed that miracle for the purpose of illustrating that unfruitful things, things that are not doing good, things that are not accomplishing the purpose for which they exist, are not pleasing. We need to understand that. We are to be doing good. It's not enough just to keep from evil. That's certainly important. But we've got to be doing good. We've got to be fruitful in His service. When good men do nothing, nothing good gets done. Good in the world is depending upon us doing that good. John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, Now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. What happens to the tree that doesn't bear fruit? It's cut down, cast into the fire. And then finally, notice what Jesus said in John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. It's about fruit bearing, right? That's what Jesus said. That's what's got to be important to us. We've got to accomplish good in his service. And so we ask, are you Christian, busy, doing good, producing fruit for the Master's glory. Uh, if we're not busy doing good, then the good doesn't get done. And that's just a very obvious thing, an obvious observation, if you will. But it's certainly appropriate for us to realize. I would actually go further than that, and I think the Scriptures go further than that, to say that when good men do nothing, they actually help evil to triumph. Have you ever known in one of those stories, I go back to what we were saying at the outset, you kind of get tired of hearing all the bad news on radio, TV, and newspaper, and internet, but 
of those bad news stories, sometimes we hear a story about some crime that was committed and there were witnesses to the crime that was committed. Some, maybe somebody was murdered or, or maybe someone was beaten or some terrible thing happened and there were people who kn- knew about it, who maybe even witnessed it, but those witnesses would not testify against the one who had done the crime. And so the criminal goes free, right? Because those who, were, who could have would not testify against him, he goes free. What have they done? They've actually helped evil to triumph. They didn't do, they didn't do the evil themselves, mind you. But they helped the evil to triumph because they wouldn't do anything about it. When good men do nothing, they actually help evil to triumph. In history, uh, not that terribly long ago, but you think back to the times uh, leading up to World War II and during that war and some of the atrocities that were being committed by Hitler's people in Germany. And history tells us that there were those who were very aware of what was going on, but who would not oppose it, who wouldn't do anything to stop it. And so we could probably think of just limitless examples of when good men do nothing, they actually help the evil to triumph. The Scriptures speak to this in spiritual terms. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Two things. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Certainly, to have fellowship would, would mean a, uh, a cooperation with, an involvement in it, right? I, I can't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I can't be involved in that. I can't participate in that. But notice, it goes on to say, but rather reprove them. So, certainly don't participate, but The text says also to speak out against those things, to oppose those things. We face a lot of evils in the world. I think if we're going to be the salt and light that Jesus commands us to be, we've got to take a stand and and our stand has to be known. We've talked a lot about such horrible sins in our culture of abortion, of uh, homosexuality. And I think it's, it's absolutely imperative that we as Christians... Certainly we're not going to be involved in those things, but I think it's very imperative that we reprove them, that we speak out against them and let our position be known about those things. In our Bible class this morning here in the auditorium, we talked about the fact that in coming days, persecution against those who do right may increase. We've not had a lot of that yet, but it could come, and I think it could come relatively soon. If you speak out, for instance, against homosexuality, There may be a price to pay for that. So what are we going to do? Do nothing? No, that's not our option, right? If if good men do nothing, they actually help evil to triumph. We've got to speak out against those evils. In 1 Kings chapter 18, I know you'll remember the very familiar story of Elijah as he confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You remember that? Ahab was the king. And Ahab and his wife Jezebel had influenced the, the, uh, the people to go after uh, the pagan idol Baal. Uh, they were fully given over to that. And Elijah uh, was, a, was a lone voice in the wilderness speaking out against those things. And finally, there was a great confrontation on Mount Carmel, you remember. The people gathered together to see what was happening And in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? 
If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. What did the people do? It says, and the people answered Him not a word. The people weren't helping in opposition to that false pagan God, were they? They wouldn't take a stand. They wouldn't say anything. And so, effectively, they helped evil to prevail, to triumph. i got to say that in our world today, if we do the same, if we keep silent, if we, if we do nothing, then we help evil to triumph. In Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, you know it well. Luke 10, beginning verse 31, By chance there came down a certain priest that way. The man had already been beaten, left for dead. And there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. What do you think about that priest and Levite? Well, we think they were pretty despicable people, right? They should have helped that guy. Actually, by not helping uh, this man who had been beaten and left there by the side of the road, they were actually helping the robbers accomplish the purposes against that individual, right? Uh, the priest and Levite, they were bad guys. What was, what, was, what was their wrong? It wasn't that they had participated in beating and robbing that man. They had not participated in it. They weren't guilty of actually doing the bad deed, right? But they were bad people because they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything good. And therefore, the man would have died, left there by himself by the side of the road. But of course, the good Samaritan came. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The, the good Samaritan, he's the one who's commended. Why? Because he did something. He was a good man. He did something. Jesus requires active righteousness on our part. Let me emphasize that expression. Jesus requires active righteousness. We must be busy doing good. Matthew 12, verse 30, Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You can't just be in the middle. Jesus requires us to be busy doing good. So, when good men do nothing, certainly nothing gets good gets done, and evil actually, uh, we actually help evil to triumph if we don't do good. Well, what does that lead to then, ultimately? Finally, let me suggest to you that when good men do nothing, they really aren't any longer good men. That description of being good men doesn't fit them anymore. I'm, I'm a bicyclist. I am a bicyclist. I love cycling. There was a time in my life when I was on my bicycle every day. I mean, we were going constantly on our bicycles. I remember there was a sort of a general store about three or four miles from our house. And in the summertime, we rode down there every day. We'd go down there and buy a nickel pack of baseball cards. You know, we'd ride all that way just to buy one pack of baseball cards. I mean, I love bicycle. I love to bicycle. I mean, I, a bicycle, that was my life, you know. Loved my bicycle. I don't have a bicycle. I, I, I'm a cyclist. I love cycling. I, I haven't had a bicycle in 25 or 30 years. I can't remember the last time I was on a bicycle. But I'm a bicyclist. I love bicycling. You'd have to say, wait a minute now. You might used to have been. You might used to have loved bicycling. You might used to have ridden bicycles a lot, but you don't anymore. You're not a cyclist anymore, right? I couldn't, I couldn't fittingly wear that title, right, as a cyclist. I don't even own a bicycle. I haven't ridden a bicycle in years. I'm not a cyclist anymore, right? Because I've given that up. I don't do that anymore. You see the point? 
All right. What about the person who claims he's a good, a good man, and yet he doesn't do any good? He, he's not busy doing good. Well, certainly the good is not going to get done, and evil is going to triumph, but in the final analysis, he's not even a good man anymore, right? If he's not doing good. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Notice here the emphasis on doing good. Yeah, there's things you've got to keep yourself from. Refrain your tongue from evil, your lips that they speak no guile. Eschew evil, but do good. Seek peace and ensue it. And so... Again, the idea is that we must be involved in aggressively doing good things in our lives. James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That verse is worthy of our deep consideration. Because as we're assembled here together this morning, we know good things that we ought to be doing. What if you don't do them? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. You're not good anymore. If you don't do the good, you know you're supposed to be doing. In the Old Testament book of Obadiah, the prophet Obadiah addressed the Edomites. You remember the Edomites? The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, right? Jacob's brother Esau. The Edomites were descendants of Esau, so they were, in effect, sort of kinfolk to the Israelites. They were distantly related in their ancestry to the Israelites. But notice what happens in Obadiah verse 11. It says, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. The Edomites had not been the people who attacked Jerusalem, but notice they stood on the other side. They saw what was happening to God's people, And as we said, they actually were sort of distantly kinfolks, if you will, uh, by their ancestry. And they saw the bad that was happening uh, to Jerusalem. People were being carried away as captives. The city was being taken. What did they do? They stood on the other side. They didn't do anything. And how did the Lord regard them? Even thou wast as one of them. Notice, they hadn't done any of the bad. They didn't do the attacking. They weren't the ones doing the pillaging. They weren't the ones who were taking away captives. But they just stood back and let it happen. And God said, you were like as though you were one of them. He, he considered them uh, as the evil ones themselves. You see that? Now, I, think in, I think in an illustration like that, we can, try, we can picture that. You know, they, they should have stepped up. If they cared for uh, the Israelites... If they were concerned for what was happening to Jerusalem, they should have stepped up. They should have done something. They didn't. God held them accountable, but they hadn't done any good. But I hope you can see the application to us today. That if we know that we should be busy doing good and we're not doing the good that needs to be done, it doesn't get done and evil triumphs, but we aren't really even good people anymore if we don't do anything. You see it? That's a simple lesson with, with, I hope, a simple application to us and our everyday lives of service to God. Uh, We need to be busy doing good. The the world is bad. There's a lot of bad stuff going on all around us. We can't just sit back. Uh, We need to be busy accomplishing the good things that God wants us to do in our lives.
What's your situation this morning? Are you a child of God? If you are, and we'll speak to those first, but basically when it's about us, it's been addressed to those who are in people of God. If you're a child of God, but you have not been doing the good that He expects you to be doing in His service, then we would encourage you to think seriously about that and make whatever changes are necessary in your life so that you can get on that track of doing good things God honor for. If you've been involved in wrongs, if you've fallen short and been neglectful, if anything we might have to do by way of our prayers, we're ready to assist you this morning. If, on the other hand, you're not yet a Christian, we would encourage you to make that decision. In the final analysis, nothing else matters. Really, really nothing else matters. If you're not a child of God, you're not prepared for the coming judgment. If you miss heaven, you will miss everything. Nothing else matters. If you're not a Christian, you need to become one. The simple gospel plan of salvation is that we should hear the truth, believe, repent of our sins, confess our faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the mission of sin. If you've never done that, if you're ready to make that decision, we're ready to assist you in your obedience. You need more studies so that you can make that decision in a uniform way. We'll be glad to assist with that study. How can we help? Let's go. Let's